A Colombian teenager has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. Today, we're talking about Bruno. This is Encanto from 2021, and this is episode 60 of Disney One by One. You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello again. We're back. This is two weeks in a row. This is unprecedented in the last year and a half. Can't believe it. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed our Riot and the Last Dragon episode last week. I teased something at the end of that episode. I teased the most unique movie-going experience of my life, and that was Encanto. So stay tuned for that story once we get into that movie. As I mentioned last week, my brother David Rolfing, the co-host of this show for the first 58 episodes, has retired. But I've brought on the best backup, my brother from another mother. (laughs) My man. (laughs) Chris Lair, welcome back to Disney One by One. Thank you very much, Mike. It is spectacular to be back. I love it. (laughs) Two weeks in a row, here we are. And we have a special guest today, as always. You heard him way back on Sleeping Beauty. That was that was movie 16. So that I don't even know what date that was. That was like in 2018 or whenever we started recording this. <laughs> um, Wes Morell, welcome back to Disney One by One. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Chris, good to see you. Man, it's always Wes, fun to talk movies with you. Good to see you, dude. Looking vivacious as ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Wes, when you were here last time, which was a long, long time ago, you did do your top five favorite Disney movies. And I just listened to that episode back today. So yours were number five was Sleeping Beauty, then Hercules, Jungle Book, Pinocchio, and number one was Bambi. Has anything changed since then? No, I think those are still my top five. Order might shift from time to time, but those are, I think, the best. Okay. I mean, it's a very solid list. And 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 I love you have Bambi at the top because the movie's so good. It is so good. It doesn't have as much of a sentimental value to me as it may do to you. Like, I didn't watch that as much as a kid, but it's it's such just a beautiful movie. Yeah. I, well, actually, Bambi was one. I did watch it as a kid. I uh, didn't love it necessarily. It was kind of, I don't know, Bambi. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was one I rediscovered, like, when I grew up. And I was like, I'm going to watch all the old Disney movies I used to, you know, see. And re-watching that one with a little bit more of an artistic sensibility and artistic eye and, like, being able to recognize what they did it was like this is amazing yeah same here watching that back as an adult i really enjoyed it i think i might have watched it a couple times so wes you also talked about your career in animation you are an illustrator an artist a cartoonist an animator and you also have a podcast directly related to that field you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so probably a year ago i started a podcast called making imagination it's pretty niche and that really i think (laughs) largely it appeals to animators but the idea behind it is each episode kind of tackles one one aspect of the process of animation. Uh, so I'll, I'll talk with one industry professional. You know, this episode will be on storyboarding for animation, and we'll just talk craft for an hour. Uh, this episode might be composing for animation or directing for animation. And we'll just talk that craft. And so some episodes get more views than others. <laughs> some of them are a little bit more obscure. But uh, my hope is to kind of go through the entire kind of process from pre-production to post-production to give it a real sense of like, here's how animated get films get made. Can you specifically name some of the guests you've had on? Yeah, some of the exciting ones. I, I got Tom Moore from Cartoon Saloon. Uh, he directed Wolfwalkers and, and Song of the Sea and Secret of Kells. Uh, he, wow, he was very, man. yeah, he was so generous to even come on and talk directing. That was for the directing animation episode. And then another one, I'm still a bit starstruck 
by was uh, Brenda Chapman. She directed Brave and The Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt has been a, a favorite of mine for a long time. Oh, and yeah. So the fact that she came out of the podcast and, and talked to me about it was incredible. Yeah. So those were kind of some of the more bigger name guests. But uh, I've enjoyed just about every conversation. Uh, I get to geek out. <laughs> That's fantastic. So cool. How, how do you track these people down? Honestly, sometimes it's Instagram. Uh, sometimes it's, do they have a website? And can I use the contact form? I don't always get responses, but when I do, it's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. I spent a little bit of time tracking on people for the show and did a few interviews. Uh, same same idea. I was like tweeting at people, finding random emails, guessing email addresses based on where they work. <laughs> what? <laughs> did that ever like that. work? Yeah, it did. I forget <laughs> who. But it's like I found an email address for someone else who worked at the same place. Oh my place, gosh. And you just copy the form. You copy the format. <laughs> The way they do their name, whether it's, you know, sleuthy. first initial, last name or full name uh -huh. or have a period in the middle or whatever. So very sleuthy, Mike. One uh, episode you did do that I really enjoyed was with the composer for The Rescuers Down Under. Bruce Broughton. Bruce yeah. Broughton, baby. It made me really appreciate the music even more. I mean, it's great music, um, but that was a great conversation. Well, and he's one of those kind of under the radar guys that's done mm -hmm. a ton of stuff, totally. but he just doesn't have the name of John Williams or Hans Zimmer. Right, right. But he's prolific and the number of movies he's worked on, the number of TV shows, the number of just kind of like behind the scenes things he's done. And and theme parks too. There's you, you don't go on a theme park ride and have the, the composers not listed on the outside of the ride. That you Always just don't. bums me out, man. I wish it did. <laughs> yeah, that guy that guy was awesome. He was he was really nice. So, uh, say the name of your show one more time and where we can find it. It's called Making Imagination. So you can find it on YouTube or you can find it at my website, morelimagination.com. Great. Very cool. Well, Mike, you have been all over the place, up in the north, both in our country and abroad. So tell us a little bit about that trip that you, you've kind of been on for most of July. Yeah. So this, this comes out like second week of August. So uh, a few weeks ago, or I guess the month of July... Let me rewind. I work at a school now and uh, I get a bunch of vacation in the summer, which is fantastic. And so we awesome. basically I basically took three weeks of July off. We went to Michigan where my in-laws are and they live on a lake, which is fantastic. We have a free summer house. And then we left our girls there for a week and Mallory and I went to Iceland. So cool. Which I don't people people ask, is that on your bucket list? I, mean, I don't really have a bucket list. I just like going to cool places. And I think we were watching Mallory was watching yeah. The Bachelor or something really embarrassing. And <laughs> and and the cast was in Iceland and it looked really cool. This was maybe back in April or something. Like, we should go there this summer. Why not? It's pretty cheap to get there. They have I think they huh. I think they've subsidized their tourism because it's like a huge part of their economy. Mm. I think they get 3 million tourists a year and they only have a population of they only have a population of 300,000 it's a huge industry there wow. and we had a bunch of credit card points too so one of our flights was free it was i mean we got a really good deal classic mike you play the game <laughs> <laughs> you do the math you figure out the way you make it the most efficient oh my I, gosh. I got a couple hotel nights free too with with credit oh, card of points of course yeah <laughs> so i've got a question i found it fascinating when you were uploading pictures from your trip you did it categorically. Mm -hmm. I thought that was that was pretty cool. It was like the food, uh, the animals, uh, different sites. Sure, architecture. So, yeah. And I had a question. Okay. While while look, yeah, architecture. That was another one, because all that food looked like out of this world. Yeah. And I was curious, what was your favorite thing you ate? That could be a whole show. <laughs> Iceland, their main thing seemed to be lamb and fish. Mm. There's sheep everywhere and they're on the ocean 
and most of the year they can't grow anything. Oh, uh, you know, in July it never got above sixty degrees when we were there, and that's like oh my the, gosh. High, the, the height of the height of the summer. So it was really nice most of the time, except the sounds day, or, a day, or, day or two that it rained. But we were prepared for that. Mm-hmm. We our very last night we went to a restaurant called Dill, which is a Michelin star. Super oh, baby. fancy creative place where they just give you your menu and you don't order anything. It's like here's what we're giving you tonight. Here's what oh. we forage. Here's what we forage from the woods two days ago. What? I'm not. Exa- I'm not exaggerating. Are you serious? <laughs> and it was a 16 or 18 course. A lot of little bites. A lot of t- little things. So I mean, it's not giant okay. courses of things. Yeah, it sounds good though. But you know, lamb cooked three different ways, and cod cooked four different ways. There were so many things I, I I can't even remember them all. But just that experience was really really neat. The chef would bring it out to you. You could see into the kitchen, and they have tweezers, you know, intricately putting things oh in the right place, gosh. and, and yeah, they set everything on your on your table in the exact right way they want it. And there's a story to the food, and it really wasn't that expensive. Like for that experience, I think it was 130 a person, which is a lot, but. We didn't go out for our anniversary this year. We didn't go out for my birthday this year. We like we saved those for our trip. Right. You didn't pl- you didn't pay for a lot of like the nights you stayed. No. Right. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> or the plane tickets. <laughs> so that whole experience was really cool. I think Man. there was another restaurant I went to that just had really good lamb too. I don't know. It was just a lot of lamb and fish. I like lamb and I like those things. Those yeah, are, those me are too. Things I enjoy consuming. So, so Very there's cool. that. And generally, Iceland. I, I've been calling it the New Zealand of the North because so many people know what New Zealand is like because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Very similar looking landscapes. Lava fields that have solidified and have moss growing all over them, you know, just going endlessly into the into the fog and, and glaciers and waterfalls and rivers and we just did a lot of walking around and, and um Yeah. And exploring. I love waterfalls. If you ask me what my favorite thing is, it's probably waterfalls. <laughs> wow. Waterfalls and Buzz Lightyear, right? No. Uh, yeah, in Star Wars. <laughs> That's so, pretty yeah, awesome. It, it was neat. I recommend it. And uh, we stayed at a couple, they call them guest houses. They're basically bed and breakfast. Where the, mm-hmm. you know, the person who checks you in is also the waiter at their little restaurant. <laughs> uh, these little family-owned places with sheep running around in the backyard. We pulled up to one place and there were 30 horses galloping across the field. What? I've never seen that before in person in my life. <laughs> So and, and like puffins, fantasy. puffins. We saw a lot of puffins. Yeah, I, oh. I saw that picture and I was like, "Is that a porg?" <laughs> Interesting. That that is just so cool. Any other highlights from the Iceland trip or Michigan? So one one of the things in Iceland because it's so cold, I mean, especially in the winter, they have nothing to do. But there are they heat, they power the whole country using geothermal energy and like hydropower. It's very oh. sustainable because there's so much there's so, there's there's still so much volcanic activity underground. Yeah, that they can harness that and use huh. that to create pa- wow. power and to also Amazing. just like heat their water. And so heating, I guess, electricity is very inexpensive there. Huh. Hmm. Like, there's no air conditioning because it doesn't get that warm. But so they just have radiators, and if your room's too hot, you just open your window. And they don't you know they don't care. <laughs> well, be so uh, t- to that point, there are swimming pools everywhere that are heated year round. That's cool. Huh. Yeah, that is cool. Every little town has its own pool. And there are also like, because of this culture, this kind of bathing culture that Iceland has, there are also fancier, more touristy hot spring pool places that are really cool. You know, they've they've upped the budget on some of these things because they know they can get tourists. Yeah, because they can. <laughs> so there's one, the, the biggest one is called the Blue Lagoon. If you Google it, you can see it's basically in the middle of nowhere by the airport in the middle of this lava field. And there's this power plant 
and the excess water, you know, runoff from this power plant, they've built this very natural looking gigantic. It's basically a giant hot tub, but it looks really, really cool. It's very <laughs> silica. The water is very silica rich. It's very salty and it's like good for your skin. And you can pay, I don't know, 50 bucks or whatever and, and spend the day there. And they got saunas and steam rooms and, and it's just this giant blue natural looking hot tub. Uh, you can awesome. find pictures of it. Did you so, did you guys do it? Yeah, that was the first thing we did. We, we landed because so cool. it, it was an overnight flight. We landed and went straight uh, to the straight to shower and swim. It was pretty great. Yeah, that's <laughs> relaxing. Uh, nothing better than taking a shower right off of an airplane. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> especially For real. A, especially a six hour overnight flight. So, so that was pretty neat. Yeah, and I, we went to a couple of uh, other places like that because that's kind of what you do there. Right, man, that's so cool. It's like a fantasy world, man. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, when I think of Iceland, I think of uh, Thor: The Dark World. Okay, I think they filmed yeah. a lot of that there, and I actually like that movie. So yeah, I do. Okay, Wes. Thank you. Yo. I get a lot of heat for that, but <laughs> I fun. like Thor The Dark World too. People are like, that's like the worst Marvel movie. I'm like, it just, yeah, no. it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> well, they thought it shot in Iceland. Part of it. Okay. Mike, are you serious? No, I, I am such a casual Marvel fan. <laughs> I watch fine. them. I watch them when they're convenient. Okay. Yeah, I'm I not going to judge. really seek them out. <laughs> I'm not going to judge. But I really, Wes, I, you don't know what you just did for me, but <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the dark world of people like, I get a lot of flack. It's, I mean, like, sure, it has its flaws, but like, it's not yeah. the worst Marvel movie. No, I no. feel like the art design is pretty darn solid. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of cool stuff. And the I soundtrack think. is great. Anyway. We should probably move on, but... Well, speaking of things we've been watching, last week we talked about some things we've been watching, so I thought we'd do that again. It could be Disney or not. Uh, Wes, anything come to mind? What's something interesting you've watched of late? Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, I don't know if you, if you guys have seen Wolfwalkers from Cartoon Saloon. Never seen it. I think it is the best animated film of the last decade. Whoa. Wow. So go watch it. Okay. I think it's... Big talk, yeah, I was really bummed it didn't win the Oscar. Yeah, and you casually talked to the director on your podcast i did yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah i would have been stoked anyway but but that helps yeah now so i think uh it's on it's on apple tv plus but you can also get it on blu-ray okay it's part of the irish folklore uh, trilogy so i think it's the best mm -hmm. craft wise story wise it was nominated for the academy award that year it was but every yes. movie they make is so they're just that good anything yeah. else you got you got one or two more things was yeah, I mean, uh, not animation. Uh, it's the movie everyone's been talking about this summer, Top Gun Maverick. So mm. I really ah. enjoyed it. I think partly, though, not because it's like a fantastic film, although it's really, it's fun. But I think it's because it's the way we used to make movies. Oh, like yeah, it feels definitely. very much like they shot it in lens. There's, you know, there's no political agenda. It's just a good time at the movies. And I think people are responding to that. And I think it's, yeah. Oh, oh it felt like an 80s or 90s action movie. And, and even like they didn't even really establish quite the year they were in. It could have been the way they dressed was very general, like very generic. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of timeless. You know? Anachronistic. It, it was, it was quite timeless. You know, he's on this, this, this motorcycle that could have been from the last, in any time in the last 30 years. And other than some of the newer fighter jets, I think. Yeah. Mallory and I went and saw it. That, that's what we did for our anniversary. We went and got cheap hamburgers and we went and saw uh, saw Top Gun. Well, that's how you pay for your big yeah, 18 right. course <laughs> meal in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just really enjoyable. And the fact that Tom Cruise learned to fly a jet and most of those actors are actually in real airplanes, that's what makes it incredible. That is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they shot it all in lens, you know, and like this is really happening in front of you is really, I think, something... I think we miss whether yeah, we know it's a it or lost not. art. I personally think that's why people are responding so well. It's like this is how we used to do it. <laughs> you know? And it's the reason why I will not 
watch a moment of a trailer for the new Mission Impossible movie because I don't want to know what he's doing. I just want to yeah. go see it. Yeah. I, I closed my eyes and covered my ears in the Top Gun movie theater when the Mission wow. Impossible trailer came Nice. Out. I nice. mean, I couldn't quite cover my ears because I could still hear it. But Wow, Mike. Uh, I did not watch. I refused to watch it because I do not, not want to know. They always put the good stunts in the trailer. At yeah. least one of them, and I, right. I don't want to know what he's doing. I'm going to avoid news articles. I'm going to avoid everything about Mission Impossible. Right. The trailer, the trailer was basically just music, so I didn't really hear anything. There were no audio spoilers for that. I could tell. Well, that's good. Chris, what have you been watching? I have been watching. I touched base last week on Mythbusters, which I'm just obsessed with. Do they still make them, or are you just watching old ones? They're old ones, but there's way more seasons than I remember, so I'm, I'm excited, because so far it's retreading old episodes I've seen, and it's like totally a bowl of chicken noodle soup for me. It's totally a comfort thing, and I, I love it. Uh, recently, I rewatched Tombstone, and you mentioned Bruce Broughton, and that's my favorite score of his, mm, is Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, it's just such a Mm, chef's kiss like it's a <laughs> they just man. don't do it they just don't do it that way anymore do they they don't i mean they the don't. whole the romantic themes and the the very bombastic orchestra and the sweeping strings and brass it's just like this is totally the product of a bygone era which is not to say that good soundtracks don't still come out because they do but it's it really does make me very nostalgic for a, for a, a different time the way film music used to be composed. And uh, so I love that. Also watching on Hulu, Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. The, sh- the show's intense, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not caught so up yet. Fun. We've only watched two episodes of the new season. Okay. It, it's pretty good. I, yeah. I like it. It's, yeah, they're definitely too. they're taking some, some new directions from the first season, which I appreciate. Instead of it just being like a standard retread kind of formula. So that's nice. And it's always great to see Martin Short and Steve Martin on screen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's great because they introduce these side characters that you just think are going to be side characters. And then they end up up having a whole episode about this character that you didn't think he'd even come back to. And you learn so much more about them and it changes everything. It's really interesting. It's it's a good show. And it's got a bunch of Emmy nominations, too. Oh, very fitting. It deserves it, man. How about you, Mike? What you've been watching? What's well, what's on your, the radar? Your description of the tombstone score reminded me of something. I went on another trip. Oh, oh! <laughs> I went on a little side trip amidst my trips. Long story short, there's this guy named Cody Fry, who I'm a musician, uh, composer. I love artist. him. You love Cody Fry, dude? Oh, big man. fan. Woo! Big fan. That's rare. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh, Mike. So, so he? How would you describe him? He is. He writes pop music. Yeah, but he's also an incredible composer. Oh my or, gosh. An orchestrator. And so yeah. a lot of his songs have orchestra in the background. Oh yeah. He even put out a whole album recently and that's all that. It's him singing with orchestra. But it's not Love it. it's not Michael Bublé kind of stuff. It's like newer It's, like it's a it's a new thing. Yeah, it's a new it, thing. Anyway, he performs a lot live but not with an orchestra very often because that's expensive and he's not famous enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But Ben Folds, who is then the current director, he's the artistic director of the National Symphony Orchestra in Washington, D.C., occasionally puts on shows with the NSO where he invites lesser known folks to perform with the orchestra and with him. And this happened on June 20th, or sorry, July 20th. And I was there in D.C. for one day. No way. No way. <laughs> And Ben Folds opened the show, which is kind of fun. And he play, he performed three three new songs with the orchestra that he's putting out on, on his next album. And then the orchestra played a couple pieces of that. And there was all really energetic music. It was awesome. Oh. And then there was another, I forget the lady's name. There's a lady who performed who's from Haiti and she performed 
read her own versions of Haitian like folk songs with the orchestra, with these percussionists that came out. And then the orchestra played a couple more pieces. And then Cody Frag came out and closed the show with, with like his whole uh, symphony album live. I am it was so amazing. jealous. It was amazing. <laughs> oh man! And yeah, I used so my cool. I used my points to fly there for oh. free. It was actually pretty cheap. It was a pretty cheap oh. uh, day and oh. a half. I got a whirlwind tour of Washington D.C. Like I got oh I, re- I got gosh. I got on one of those bikes you rent from the you know like a yeah. dock, and I just uh-huh. rode around the, the the National Mall for a couple hours, and then I went and took a shower and went to the concert, and then flew home the next morning. Amazing! Amazing! Chris, I, I don't know if you know this about Mike, but he's also very lucky too. Like, uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy no that kidding. like, oh, I joined these sweepstakes and won. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, I figured that out, Wes. I get pretty good parking spots too, usually. But You do. Chris, if I knew you liked him, I would have figured out a way to get you there with me. But I would have gone. I would have figured out you're ridden that rolfing luck. It was it was an awesome show. And I bought tickets a long time. I bought a ticket a long time ago. Mallory was very gracious and said, yes, you should go. But I'm going to stay with the girls because we would have, will have just gotten back from Iceland. Wow. I just listened to Caves today. Oh, he played he played Caves and Underground. So that's what he opened. With. Um, it's so good. Everyone uh, look up Cody Fry and mm-hmm. look up his most recent symphonic sessions. He has he has a few other albums, too, which are all great. Yeah. But if you want like a taste, if you want a taste of his orchestral stuff he's got it's on youtube it's on apple music it's and the youtube it's all video too it's there's there's some great ways to to experience him yeah and also the the song the first song I ever heard of his was I Hear a Symphony. I actually had yeah. it recommended to me mm-hmm. by Isaac White. And it like... Changed your life? Broke my brain. Yeah, yes. It changed. I was like, no. Oh. I was sitting in this very seat in my home office and had his album, that album playing like the day it came out. And when it got to that song and it starts very quiet and then it right. just the orchestra just goes nuts. Mm. I remember just sitting back in my chair like, holy crap, what just hit me? <laughs> That's so great, man. And uh, got to see that live, which is pretty neat. Oh, I'm jealous. Anyway, well, what have you been watching? <laughs> well, I'll, I could probably just end there. I did just see Nope, the Jordan Peele movie. Oh, did, wait, did you go ahead? Go finish your thought. I, I saw it in Grand Rapids where they have actually have a real IMAX screen. So I saw it in the proper Ooh, format. Not a IMAX. Uh, it was a, visually. It was great. It was shot by Hoyt Van Hoytma, who does all of Christopher Nolan stuff now. Yeah. Uh, the movie itself, I thought was actually kind of boring and really not that scary. Oh, really? It was interesting. I gave it like a three out of five. It was fine. The trailer looked amazing. But if you can find it on a real IMAX screen where the you know the aspect ratio goes up every so often, uh, it was it was pretty neat. What about Lightyear? You seen that? I did see Lightyear. It was fine. Oh, okay. that was kind of boring. I mean, the, the whole conceit of the movie is they they start with a title. Did Wes? Did you see Lightyear? No, not yet. Okay, it opens with a title on the screen that says. In 1993, a young boy named Andy saw a movie that that inspired him to buy the toy. This is that movie. What? 
which what? doesn't make any sense. What? It doesn't make any sense. Because first off, back then they didn't have computer animation. But I guess you no. Know, I guess the point is like Andy is. I guess Andy's a CG character, and so real people in his world are CG characters. If you start thinking about like how they established oh the movie gosh. at the top of the movie, it doesn't make any sense. Plus, the movie's not even that exciting. It's way more interstellar than it is Star Wars. No thanks. And I was just, I really wanted just an exciting space action yeah. movie, and it was really heady, and like not really a kids movie. Oh my gosh! And no thanks. I don't know. Pixar's animation is fantastic. It always is. Right. But I did rewatch Toy Story like last week, and that movie is 10 out of 5 stars. <laughs> it's so freaking good. It is so... Every time I watch that, I have a new favorite character. Uh, awesome. That well, is who is one. it this time? Ham, the piggy bank, is just... What? He's so funny. Oh, my so gosh. So funny. Anyway, we're not here to talk about anything we just talked about. We're here to talk about Bruno. Oh, and in Kanto, the 60th Walt Disney Animation Studios film. And now, our feature presentation. Many years ago, this candle blessed our family with a miracle. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. Hola, casita. Encanto tells the tale of an extraordinary family, the Madrigals, who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a magical house in a vibrant town in a wondrous, charmed place called an Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift from super strength to power to heal every child except one Mirabelle, she does not have a power. But when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is in danger, Mirabelle decides that she, the only ordinary Madrigal, might just be her exceptional family's last hope. So this movie came out in 2021. During a 2016 publicity tour for Moana, Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame and Moana fame, revealed that he was working on another Disney project. Directors Jared Bush, who did Zootopia and wrote Moana, and Byron Howard, who directed Bolt Tangled in Zootopia, and Miranda had all been talking together, and they all realized they all had large families, and they thought, we should make a movie about a big family. That's how this came about. And they started talking to some of their colleagues at Disney, and some of them happened to be from Columbia. And those two also talked about their large families, and they became consultants on the film early on. And they accompanied the directors on a two-week trip to the country to check it out. And it evolved from there. The Wikipedia article on this is really long, and I didn't feel like summarizing it any more than that. <laughs> they decided to set their movie in an ambiguous time period. It's kind of like in the early 1900s. I think there's a moment where they take a picture. So there, there was yeah, a camera. There's light bulbs. There's light there, bulbs. There, there is electricity. So it's somewhere in the early 20th century. Disney, the, as the company, the powers that be, the, the Bob Chapex or Bob Igers, whoever was there at the time, they were reluctant to have a movie with so many characters. If, if you've mm -hmm. watched this, which I assume you have, if you're listening to this, there are tons of characters in this movie. A giant family, as I mentioned. But then Miranda wrote the opening musical number to prove that it was possible to introduce all of these people in a, in a brief period of time. You may need subtitles to follow it, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. Let's go! It starts with Abuela and then Tia Papa, she handles the weather. My mom, Julieta, can make you feel better with just one out the cast of this movie is huge, so I just chose a few names here. Uh, Mirabelle, the main character, is played by Stephanie Beatriz, who was most recently in In the Heights, which is another Lin-Manuel Miranda joint. 
he didn't direct it, but he wrote that sh that show originally. Abuela is played by Maria Cecilia Botero. John Leguizamo is another recognizable name. He plays Bruno. And of course, Alan, mm. we can't have a Disney movie without Alan Tudyk. Gotta have who, Alan. Who plays Pico the Toucan, <laughs> another animal in the Tudyk collection. The animators and designers and art directors went through extreme lengths to assure accuracy in the textures and the clothing and the plants and the architecture. It is, it is quite a beautiful movie. A ton mm -hmm. of time went into designing all the characters. Each one has a special symbol on their clothing somewhere to denote their special gift. Uh, Dolores has sound waves and Louisa has dumbbells, earrings, I think. And the mom has a mortar and pestle because she cooks magical things. She can heal you with a meal. Right, exactly. <laughs> Abuela's got candle flames, Bruno's got hourglasses, and Mirabella's butterflies, all kind of representing their characters. Encanto was the first Disney animation film to have choreographers involved in the development process from start to finish, meaning wow. they like had dancers working with the production team to develop the songs and the characters and the story to make sure everyone had the right look and feel to their movement. They hired the, the production team hired a Colombian botanist named Philippe Zapata to give advice on what plants to use. Wow. To make sure the appropriate and accurate plants <laughs> are there. So, you know, the pacarandas and the, 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 the figs and the sundew and all of the Isabella things are, are, are flowers that are accurate to the place and the time. Huh. And just like last week, though, maybe not to the same extent, because this was a little bit later, due to the pandemic, many of the crew members had to work remotely and a lot of them didn't even never even met each other until they put on a socially distanced outdoor screening of the film. Wow. Lin-Manuel Miranda, who seems to be everywhere these days, Man. wrote the original songs for this movie. And you, the moment you hear them, you know it's him. You oh, can, yeah. You can, you can hear him. You can hear him <laughs> in every single one of these songs. Oh, yeah. There are eight original songs that are in Spanish and English. Quite catchy, if I uh, don't say so myself. And then Jermaine Franco wrote the score. It's a female. I didn't realize that. Jermaine. Yeah. Fantastic score. They, they brought in a slew of authentic musicians and instruments to fill out the music to, to make it feel and sound authentic. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. The soundtrack was released, you know, soon. Actually, actually, I guess it was before the movie, and it became a huge commercial success. It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard 200. Wow. The track "We Don't Talk About Bruno" became a viral sensation. It broke records. It topped the charts, and it wasn't nominated for best original song because Disney didn't submit it as their entry that year. That's insane. Because <laughs> you you have to submit ahead of time what songs you're entering, and they they chose it's... "Dos Oraguitas," which I think is a lovely song. Yeah. Bruno did uh, didn't end up getting performed at the Oscars last year. They performed it anyway because it was so popular. I think I heard on uh, Radio Arts Foundation not too long ago uh, they were doing some like whole Lin Manuel Miranda thing, particularly with Encanto. And because uh, I'm thinking, man, you know, anyone out there with the name Bruno, poor kid, right? Because you know, because Luca yeah. is like, ah, oh, Silencio Bruno, and, yeah. you know, and this is like we don't talk about Bruno, poor kid. But uh, I think they were saying that like originally this character's name was like Oscar or something like that. Mm, yeah. Get this, Mike. Hmm. But uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, he was like, "Hey, can I can I change the name to Bruno? It's gonna work better for the song." And, huh. and of course, they said, "Yeah." But, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's true. He actually, I think he said something to the effect of, "He's like showing them how the name Bruno yielded itself to have this repetitive no 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 like." We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. It's like, had like this flow to it that of course he's like, it's gotta go this way. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so Encanto was the first Disney film to have produced a number one song and a number one album. Crazy. 
And I think I chalk a lot of it up to TikTok. I think that song went quite viral because people were making TikToks out of it. Oh, I'm sure. Which is how the world has changed. That's how Cody Fry, Cody Fry's I Hear a Symphony song went viral on TikTok. And that's how he got a much more widespread fame because well, some well. like people in Japan started making TikToks out of his song. It's crazy. Well, thank you. And now he's, and now he's performing at the NSO with Ben Fultz. Oh, amazing. So Encanto premiered, its world premiere was at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood on November 3rd, 2021. They also had a, a Columbia premiere in Bogota on November 23rd of the same year. The film released in the United States on November 24th. Um, it had a 30-day theatrical run before being released on Disney Plus on December 24th. It did not make a lot of money in theaters, but it went crazy when they released it over Christmas break on Disney+. Plus. I don't have the streaming numbers like we did last week for Raya. I couldn't find those or I didn't have time those to search for absurd those. absurd minutes. I can't. I'm sure it was billions of minutes viewed if billions. Raya had, if, you know, Raya, if had Raya did, then no doubt. <laughs> yeah. But it did make $256 million in theaters, but I can't imagine how many times it was viewed on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. In my house, it's been viewed about 150 times on Disney+. Plus. So extrapolate that around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when kids have the power to restart. Yeah, right. It did get three Oscar nominations, as I mentioned. It uh, was nominated for for Dos Orguitas. It was also nominated for Original Score, and it won Best Animated Feature last year. In the theme parks, real quick, they haven't had a lot yet, but I I imagine they'll have something. There's some Mirabelle meet and greets at some of the parks. Mm -hmm. Currently at Disney, the Disneyland on It's a Small World, which has this giant facade outdoor. They're doing a projection show where they project songs and images from Encanto on the It's a Small World ride. Kind of odd. (laughs) And then there are rumors of in Disneyland Park, there is a treehouse that was the Swiss family treehouse. And then they turn it to the Tarzan treehouse. And now it's been under construction. And the rumor is it's going to be Antonio's treehouse, which makes sense. Ah, yeah, I could see that. We're going a little bit long. So let's go just go straight into our, our thoughts on this movie here. Wes, give me your overall reaction to maybe the first time you saw Encanto. Well, uh, as with every Disney movie, I think there's definitely things to praise about it. You know, development artwork is always incredible. My first reaction is still kind of my overall opinion. I actually didn't like it all that much. Uh, It wasn't one of my favorites. But uh, take (laughs) what you're looking for might might be just for you. Uh, Give give us a little bit of why you may not have liked it very much. My general impression of of Encanto was that I think the seeds of a great story are all there. Um, You know, sort of an interesting past and family dynamic. But I think one of the things that that is disappointing, I think, because I love animation so much, is I do think that like animated films today, largely, particularly ones in the West, are sort of losing their sense of magic, losing their sense of wonder, losing their sense of mystery. And I think a movie like Encanto misses that. And I think uh, it, it can't because that's sort of the crux of it. Like this is a magic house that sort of endows these magic gifts to this family. But I, but everything, in my opinion, it, first viewing kind of felt kind of surface level. You know, even though this is a big cultural family, I didn't really feel the culture, didn't really feel the characters. <laughs> you know, it's, they're all sort of like symbols of like, what's my gift and what's my struggle instead of real people with real problems and, and real dynamics. So I always love to come away from a film feeling like I, I felt the sense of that culture or a sense of wonder or a sense of magic. And uh, I really didn't with, with Encanto, but I, I think the seeds were all there. Okay, Christopher. I think that's fair. 
Very much so. I like it. I like the movie. It has a lot of rewatchability for me. I don't love it. It ha- it feels like pieces are missing for me to fully connect to certain aspects. Now, compared to Raya, the pacing is amazing. <laughs> but, but, but like even compared to like Tangled for me, I feel like the pacing is a little bit lacking. And I do feel, although they seem to have gone to extreme amazing lengths with the cultural accuracy, I, I also kind of had that feeling like I don't feel like it's very accessible for me. But I really do. I love I love the house animations. All the animations amazing, except I will say I really don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Wes, maybe you could put like a term to it. But there's something about the run cycles in this movie. When people run, it's like my brain like trips a wire or something. It's, it, I don't know what it is. Like people run it like they have this weird bounce to them. And it's almost like. There's more motion in a still effect, but no forward momentum. I don't, I can't place it. But, <laughs> but every time I see someone run, I'm like, ah. Wes, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is Pixar, but I believe Disney prides themselves in still doing full on keyframe animation with no motion capture. It's still just a person animating a thing. As far as far as I know, yeah, I don't think that they're doing. I don't think they're mocapping, uh, doing motion capture. I can tell, which is generally pretty <laughs> darn impressive. But. Yeah. That is impressive. It really is. I really do like the movie. There are things that annoy me. Uh, I I do tend to feel like it's a little too small. Sometimes I'm a little thrown out of the whole event. Certain things don't add up for me, like the the candle disconnect. We can talk about that in a minute too, if you want. But I don't know. It's I don't want to sound like I'm really like dogging on the movie too hard, but I, I definitely have some empathy toward Wes's opinion of feeling like ah, it just wasn't great. How about you, Mike? All right. You ready? You ready for my story? I've been teasing for an episode and a oh, half. Oh yes. Oh, hey, we gotta <laughs> have, this is like so anticipated. Okay. So la- last week I talked about my, my trip to Los Angeles to visit my cousin and friends and, and Logan and I, who was the guest last week went to Disneyland. But my first day there, I hung out with my cousin for a morning and we got lunch and then she had to go and then I did a couple things and then I saw there was a four o'clock screening of Encanto. This was December 2nd, so it had just come out at the El Capitan Theater, which is Disney's flagship movie theater. Just We had just had lunch and I was 10 minutes away from it. Great. I'll go stall for a little bit and then go to this four o'clock screening on it. It was a Thursday. El, the El Capitan Theater is an old movie palace. It's like the Fox Theater in St. Louis, right. but it's a movie yeah. theater beautifully ornate mm. gothic architecture whatever i don't know the the right the right period of time but you know what you know what i'm saying yeah big cool. balcony you know fits a thousand people one screen this is this is disney's movie this is where they premiered the movie so i go in this four o'clock screening on a thursday and there are maybe 20 people in the theater amazing <laughs> so this guy comes out to introduce the movie and say like, hi welcome to the disney's el capitan theater i have a few things to announce before the movie starts so uh, this will begin with with three things first we will have our curtain opening ceremony. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then you will see a trailer for West Side Story and a countdown celebrating the first, you know, the 60 Disney animated classics. And then Mirabelle will perform. I know there's not very many of you here, but let's make sure we make a lot of noise for Mirabelle. <laughs> and so, so they do the curtain opening ceremony, which was worth the price of admission. <laughs> they, like pull back the big red curtain and then I have video of it because the, the guy was like you can film the curtain opening ceremony but just don't film the preview or whatever and then there's this beautifully ornate 
diorama of lions and elephants and like like classic Hollywood looking what <laughs> golden shimmering like animal thing I don't know it's hard to explain wow. and then that slides up and there's this rippling glittery curtain that's <sighs> that's waving around and then they pull that up and there's something else and there's all this dramatic orchestral music playing and the lights in the room are you know spinning around <laughs> what that was, on earth? That was the curtain opening ceremony. Then they played the trailer for West Side Story, whatever. And then they played the countdown of the 60 Disney animated films, which I just found on YouTube. I, I, I'll I send it to you guys. I'll put it in the show notes. Yes. Where it's about a minute and a half. And it's using the, the Firebird suite, which is that epic. Oh, wow. Crash. And it's showing all the title cards of every Disney animated film. And wow. then it ends with Encanto. And then the screen pulls up. And they have... A life-size version of the house. <laughs> the, wow. The, the casita. I mean, in 2D, but it's at least 20 feet tall. Holy cow. Beautifully colorful, you know, wow. backdrop of the house. <laughs> and then a woman, a girl dressed as Mirabelle came out and danced to the... She's doing this whole dance and everyone in the audience is like, what is going on? And we're like, <laughs> so we're like cheering and clapping because there's this actual performer up there. And then... They shot off confetti cannons at least four times. Like a lot of confetti. What? Wow. In this giant theater full of 20 people. Four times Dang. throughout this, this woman's performance, which was maybe a minute long. So much confetti you can't even really see. Like it was all over my lap. And so someone had to come and clean that up before the seven o'clock screening. It's crazy. Because there wasn't any in there when I sat down for the four o'clock and they definitely had a noon show. Yeah, wow. it was. So, anyway, that was my El Capitan experience. <laughs> Every theater needs to do that. After that, I'm like, I mean, five stars for the pre show. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, anyway, the movie, I think the first time I saw it, I was whelmed. It's hard to follow a lot of the songs because they're so yes. Lin Manuel Miranda fast. Bingo. So, I think I enjoyed it generally. It's visually very beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, Chris, you mentioned the house, and we talked about the, the characters' costumes, and it's so colorful, and, and it's it's so much to take in. I think I was just like a little bit confused because I couldn't understand something <laughs> because there's so much fast singing and fast dialogue. I think the songs, too, I was a little Lin-Manuel miranda out at that point because I just watched In the Heights. I'd recently watched Hamilton, and it all kind of sounds the same. Yeah. Moana in there and you're lost and Moana <laughs> yeah. but I will say in subsequent viewings I watched it again at home when it came out on Disney plus I think Mallory and I just watched it together and, and now my children are obsessed with it the songs have grown on me believe it or not despite I've heard them a thousand times now I love the family madrigal I think that song's incredibly yeah, impressive that's a good one. what yeah I love this that that's song. your favorite song yeah oh I love Dos Orguitas I think that song's beautiful. that's my favorite that's my favorite one easily so I can I can look past some of the qualms you guys have because I just think it's really entertaining. It is. That's fair. That's fair. And despite now probably watching it in part, I'm not exaggerating 40, 50 times because of my my two daughters who that's their Sheesh. request. I still I, I think I, I will say I, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. You know, Dos Orguitas is I that's the one that gets the most re-listens out of me. And it's definitely something I, I neglected to mention in kind of my overview is the emotional impact this film can elicit. There are certain beats throughout the movie that make me feel a certain kind of way that only 
a movie can, you know, it's like, these are emotions that I can identify in the real world, but the way that they present them is so serendipitous. It, it kind of creates this cathartic experience. So like whenever Mirabelle is left out of the family photo, like that, like had a visceral effect. I me. Mean, I was like, Oh, oh that's, and the way they portray it in slow motion, it's like, that is just so poignant. Like, well done. And uh, obviously, I know there's no spoiler. We don't care about spoilers here. But um, we do talk about spoilers. <laughs> we yes, do yes, talk yes. about spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The whole flashback scene with with the abuela. And mm. I, I just, I love that. It, I mean, it gets like a tear to my eye more often than not. And I've seen it probably four times now. I'm like, wow, it's still hits so so chris in that same vein in my new segment i created last week called mike mike agrees with random reddit posts <laughs> or yeah. mike mike reads yeah. re- random reddit comments i was looking at the Encanto reddit thread and there was someone who said i'm i'm colombian and it really hits a nerve about a particular point in time my grandmother was pregnant with my father when she had to leave her house in the middle of the night to avoid getting killed it's a real story for too many people out oh there and someone gosh. else someone else also said i'm colombian this movie is amazing the fact that the family was displaced by violence is not something i'd ever seen in a disney movie colombia has been in one conflict or another for like a hundred years and most of the books that come out of colombia are heavily related to that it's unfortunately a huge part of what colombia is so for Man. them to for them to Sad. be able to put that in a children's movie yeah like effectively but not making it super terrifying is i mean it's it's pretty impressive undertaking that's really cool, you know, kind of have that context that they feel represented in that way, because as, as someone who can't really relate to that scenario in any regard, it, it still hits pretty hard, you know, although I will say going to nitpick for a second here yep. and it's entirely subjective, but I, I kind of wish there was some little offshoot scene of the flashback where the, the couple is given like a the candle by some old lady some old like <laughs> you know someone's like here's a, a, a sorcerer need. right in greatest need this candle will uh, lead the way or what i sure. don't know you know some something i wanted that kind of because there was there's still like a disconnect for me of like well i still don't really get how the candle <laughs> in the mountains pedro what sure <laughs> like obviously i mean the, the fact that he sacrifices himself is so it's so like emotionally compelling, but I, I don't know. I just needed like that last little bing. And, yeah. And, and like the whole deal where she has to hug her sister and that solves it was seemed a little, uh, yeah. a little too <laughs> under, Schmaltzy. like not big enough of an event. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wes, you're thinking about something. What are you thinking about over there? I said, there are things that are, that are praiseworthy about it. I mean, I think Stephanie Beatrice is, as uh, the lead, I think is pleasant to listen to. And I think that like, they do have some, meaningful ideas right like when the house is falling apart you know toward the end of the movie and the family is really falling apart oh that like that there are ramifications for the community i think that that has like meaningful implications like when a family falls apart uh you know the community the community is affected i think we we need more of that but i think what something that i that i personally am kind of overseeing in animated films is there's not often a villain anymore in these pictures, uh, oh. which there doesn't have to be. Yes. But it's it's very often, particularly the last string of movies, I feel like it's like what prejudice does the main character need to get over or what past thing, you know, needs to be sort of resolved. I, I'm kind of, we kind of got that in this, like, Grandma, you need to kind of like stop expecting perfection or whatever. Um, but then even looking back, it's like Frozen 2, which I kind of enjoyed. But it was about like, hey, we have this dark past that we need to confront and fix or whatever. 
Um, and even in Raya, you know, it's like, hey, there's this kind of dark past that we kind of like need to confront and fix or whatever. And I think that like one of these movies can be interesting, it, you know, Black Panther even, you know, but like to keep sort of like sort of recycling what feels often like the same picture, uh, the same mo- moral, the same story, accept yourself and or confront that dark past <laughs> or, you know, whatever, mm. or the darkness within yourself, I think is becoming uninteresting. Yeah. Well, Wes, you know. My favorite part of We Don't Talk About Bruno is when Camillo is having his little part and we see that signature Disney villain green. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, show me that Bruno. That He looks freaky. <laughs> Seven foot frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what we're yeah, classic. Uh, I will say I'm a sucker for a Disney musical as well. And I, I always love to see what they do with the musical numbers. Whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's changing the style of animation or going off into some weird fantasy yeah. world, yeah, there's one after another in this movie, and that really, yeah. despite any plot holes, which I agree with you about the candle, like what the heck's going on? I don't even know. Sure. Yeah, what's going on. They keep it moving, and yeah. they yeah. keep you on your toes, and it, everything's so visually interesting from from the treehouse room of Antonio to the flower oh, room of whatever that. her name is. There's just so many. It's cool that it's all in this one house, but yet there's still so many giant giant places they go. I think very. I just think it's very creative and it's very visually interesting. And yeah, and I can. I guess. I guess sometimes I can overlook plot if you if you if you get me with a good song. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I, I agree. I can respect that. But like, what a bummer for Bruno. He gets this dank cave. Everyone else has like this <laughs> utopic, like <laughs> amazing, like whoa! Look at all the animals. And then he's got this lonely cavern filled with sand. Mmm, every kid's favorite. <laughs> Climb these stairs and <laughs> go have a vision. <laughs> I think we should probably start heading to the end of the show. Uh, Wes, it's the duty it's the duty of our guests to create an arbitrary rating system for the movie we're talking about. So what should we rate Encanto out of? Probably magical gifts, right? One out of five magical gifts or okay. I don't know. Oh, All right. that's pretty uh, candles, good. Sure. One out of five candles. I don't know. Just pick one. Out of five. Let's say candles. Okay. One out of five All right. candles. Okay, candles. All right. So Wes, you're first. How would you rate Encanto one out of five candles and give us a final oh, final man. sentence or two? Uh, I'd say probably uh, maybe two and a half to three. I think it's hard to deny that it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. So I think when you kind of like nitpick, you'll find things. But uh, if you just want a good time, bright colors, <laughs> like Aquaman, <laughs> so much fun. So yeah. I'd say, I don't know, two and a half. All right, Chris, out of That's five fair. glowing magical candles. I'd say probably three to three and a half glowing magical candles. I wasn't blown away at all. But I, I definitely didn't hate it. There's a lot of rewatchability. It's got a lot of, like you said, fun moments. There's emotional moments. And if you can pull off the magical mic trick of kind of disengaging the plot criticisms and nitpicking and just enjoy a, an entertaining film, then then I think it's, it's worth a watch, especially with your kids. Yeah. My whopping almost nine-month-old daughter, oh my gosh, she just lights up when we turn on that movie. <laughs> It's and we turn on like other children's programming, but man, that movie like does something to her. Also, I noticed in my notes a a fun fact that I would I would be remiss if I don't mention this. 
So during Mirabelle's Waiting on a Miracle song, apparently Stephanie Beatriz was not only nine months pregnant, but in labor when she recorded that song. What? Yeah. She was (laughs) in labor, having contractions, didn't tell them that she was in labor because she's like, I just want to get through it. So she crushes it. (laughs) She's done. She's awesome. And then literally the next day, her daughter was born. (laughs) So I'm like, props to you, Stephanie. Way to just be like, you know what? Let's just let's just do it. (laughs) Yep. That is a fun fact. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, Mike, how about you out of magical glowing candles? I I was looking at my my Letterboxd app, which is an app where you can keep track of movies you've watched and you can rate them and write little reviews. And my my initial rating on December 2nd was two and a half out of five. And then more recently, I, I rated it again, and it bumped it all the way, all the way up to four. Nice. I had a feeling you'd be a four, Mike. So, I, I knew it. And I th- honestly, watching with subtitles makes a big difference when you can actually understand Follow the songs. songs that they're singing. <laughs> There's still, like, songs I don't, I don't know what they're saying. So I highly recommend, if you haven't, watching it again with subtitles, because it does, it does make a difference. And I will. And my rating improved with uh, watching it at home. And to be fair, I I, th- I could see upon repeated viewings because Moana, when I first saw it, I wasn't terribly moved, but uh, it's actually one of my favorite uh, recent Disney films, Moana. So maybe a few more viewings. Yeah. All right. Well, we can stop talking about Bruno. We'll wrap up this episode. So this will be the last one for a little while because we're out of movies again. Oh, dang it. But the next Walt Disney Animation Studios film comes out November 23rd, 2022. It's called Strange World. Prepare yourself for a journey beyond what is possible. Walt Disney Animation Studios proudly presents Strange World, a new motion picture event. Brace yourself! Travel past space and time to a place of infinite mystery unlike anything you've ever seen. And I'll just read the synopsis real quick. The film chronicles the legendary Clades, a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission on uncharted and treacherous land as a creature awaits. Very ominous. The trailer is available on YouTube. You can check it out. It's called Strange World. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Gabrielle Union, Lucy Liu, Dennis Quaid, and probably Alan Tudyk. <laughs> I'm sure probably. he's in there somewhere. Some and animal. It's, it's directed by Don Hall, who did Winnie the Pooh, Big Hero 6, and Raya and the Last Dragon. He, Uh-oh. according to Hall, Strange Strange World is a nod to pulp magazines, which were popular fiction from the first half of the 20th century that were printed on inexpensive wood pulp paper. He also said that he loved reading old issues of pulps growing up, and they were big adventures in which a group of explorers might discover a hidden world or ancient creatures. And uh, those are a big inspiration for Strange World. So Atlantis-esque, perhaps? Yeah. I'm very curious about the trailer. It's, It's really, really colorful and like formalistic out there so it's it's looking like a sci-fi adventure kind of thing yeah i'm excited to see what happens on november 23rd and i can't make any guarantees on when our disney one by one episode of strange world will come out but uh december i'm sure this has put a little kick in my step and so chris and i will probably uh i'm sure we'll see that and talk about that at some point so thank you to everyone who's got us back in your ears back in your feed i hope you enjoyed these two episodes they may have been a little longer than typical but hey we had a lot to talk about we did so wes morell thanks so much for joining us today and uh tell us about your podcast one more time 
Yeah, uh, Making Imagination goes to the crafts of animation, one craft at a time. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or my website, royalimagination.com. All right, and Chris Lair, my new co-host. My man, thank you again for having me, man. This is one of my favorite things to do, so it, it just has thrilled me to be back doing this again. All right, and we'll see you sometime with Strange World. Bye. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back in December, I'm sure, with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, quick side note. Have you guys seen Vivo on uh, Netflix? No. Vivo? That's another Vivo, yeah. That's another Lin-Manuel Miranda animated musical. Oh, really? Yeah, it takes Is place it... in... Uh, it's another Hispanic culture. Uh, Cuba. How's the music? It's pretty fun. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Lin-Manuel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>